Absolute power corrupts absolutely. Let's get it started in here. And the bass keeps running, running, and 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 in this context, there's no disrespect. So when I bust my rhyme, you break your neck. We got five minutes for us to disconnect from all intellect and let the rhythm affect. To lose the inhibition, follow your intuition, free your inner soul and break away from tradition. Cause when we be out, girl is pulling me down. You wouldn't believe how we wow shit out. We burn it till it's burned out, turn it till it's turned out. Act up from northwest east side. Everybody here, everybody, let's get into it. Get stoked, get it started, get it started, get it started. Let's Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And you know who I'm, who's talking here. I am JT, a.k.a. The Master, and this is The Master Plan. The number to call in is 347-637-3220. 347-637-3220 is the place to be if you want to talk to JT. We've got a great show in store for you today. Last weekend of July. Next weekend is, is the first weekend of August. And this About to talk about. I'm about to. What the heck's going on here? I'm about to talk about. Hello? Testing. 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 Here we go. Oh, we're back again, people. I don't know what happened. Sorry about that. We're experiencing uh, technical difficulties. Hopefully, we can uh, uh, go through this and um, um, get get uh, it it uh, working working out. Now, like I said, we're good. Great show in store for you today, people. Sorry about that technical difficulty. I don't know exactly what's going on, but we're going to fix it. Um, and I, like I said, it's JTAK the Master. We're going to be talking today about the Hall of Fame. I got to talk about that because there's uh, four guys that are getting inducted into the Hall of Fame. Three of them pitchers, all-time pitchers, okay? 
And then we're going to transition that into football, especially fantasy football. And this is my favorite subject of all the positions in fantasy football. And that's the running backs. So without further ado, let's get it started. You know what the uh, number is to call. You got a chat room sitting out there waiting for you to jump in there if you want to and and, uh, lay your knowledge, ask a question or make a statement in there. And I'll try to address it on the air. But the main crux of this is going to be on fantasy football and specifically on the running backs. I got a surprises, so many surprises you won't believe. Hopefully you hang with me for the hour and a half. Yes, I got an hour and a half I'm doing this because I want to put out some information on the running backs. Um, I've always said I like running backs, and you know that. I got some surprises that uh, you're going to say he doesn't know what he's talking about, but we'll see. You know, as soon as I finish putting this on here, it'll be on the website. And that website is, um, well, let me, let me just get it for you because I, uh, I know I have it. It's, it's uh, www.spot.com. On radios that web dot com that www dot spot on radio dot webs dot com go to the uh, fantasy foxhole and uh, you'll see um, all the uh, uh, rankings that I have there. For all the all the uh, fantasy positions, tight end, quarterback, wide receiver, and uh, a running back will be after this week. So, like I said, it's www.spotonradios.com. www.spotonradios.com. Go to the Fantasy Foxhole, and you'll see all my rankings for the uh, primary fantasy football positions, offensive, tight end, quarterback, uh, wide receiver. And after I finish this broadcast sometime uh, today, uh, maybe going into tomorrow, you will hear the... uh, Let's go. The... um, Running backs. It's time to leave it on the field. So, it's game time. It's time to make your- without further ado, let's talk about the HOF of baseball. You got uh, four guys going in into to their four guys that deservedly go in there. Three of them outstanding pitchers that, who pitched, believe it or not, and excelled in their their um, position during the steroid era, 
era, I should say. Three outstanding pitchers. We're talking about um, uh, Randy Johnson, Pedro Martinez, and John Smoltz, who are going to get inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame today. And one position player, which be, would be uh, Craig Biggio, if I'm not mistaken. These guys are well-deserving, and uh, this is a, uh, uh, um, a, an honor that is a, I wouldn't say a long time coming, but these guys are definitely um, Hall of Fame pitchers, and uh, have uh, created a bond um, because of they're going in the same time and they have a lot of respect for each other. Uh, and it's odd that it's only it's just it's three pitchers and a uh, um, one position player. Usually they have more than uh, uh, one position player, but it's only four guys going in this this year. Only four guys going in this year. Uh, and um, Randy Johnson was the highest vote getter with 534 votes. Excuse me, 534 votes, uh, which is a 97.3 percentage. Uh, then it was uh, Pedro Martinez. We got 91.1. Then was uh, John Smoltz, who had 82.9 with 455 votes. And just one behind uh, John Smoltz with Craig Biggio with 454 votes. 82.9 for Smoltz and 82.7. And there's a big drop off after that. And, uh, Mike Piazza, uh, which was uh, uh, 384 votes and uh, 69 Point nine um, percent. In order to get in, you need 412 votes. Excuse me, 412 votes. And Mike Piazza this year was 30 votes. Uh, excuse me, uh, um, 28 votes. 28 votes away. It's a shame. Uh, Mike Piazza should be in the Hall of Fame. Um, and there's other players that should be in there. And uh, it's a shame that they're not because of either alleged or verified steroid use. And uh, maybe uh, in the future, it'll get uh, uh, rectified. I got a caller on the line. Uh, let me bring him in. I think I do know who this guy is. Happens to be a member of the FSP crew show. And I think he's calling in um, today. Jeff the Joker, what's up, my man? How you doing? Morning, Jerry. How you doing? All right. Oh boy, you feel you feeling like you feeling uh, pretty pretty good this morning. How's things going? Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, good. Yeah. Um, I'm. Uh, you've heard me say at least a few times. I'm not a big fan of baseball, but uh, mm -hmm. I pay a little attention to the Hall of Fame. Right. Um, and uh, you know, it, it's funny about Piazza. He's a guy. Um, I think there's some accusations of uh, steroids 
but nothing like the guys who, you know, common sense says that they had to be on something. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's one of those things. It's, uh, you know, and in the court system, you're supposed to be innocent until proven guilty. Right. But these halls of fame, they're not court. You know, <laughs> it's, it's more the, you know, uh, if the people uh, judging or, or the electing, if they think you're worthy or not. And yep. I think they choose to be cautious. Like, let's say Barry Bonds was not proven to use steroids in a court of law, but come on. <laughs> All okay. of a sudden, a guy in his late 30s uh, puts on 20 pounds of muscle and starts in 600-foot uh, home runs. Uh, common sense says he probably was. Sammy Sosa probably was. I think Piazza's a maybe-he-did guy, and I'm, I think the voters think, uh, well, we could always change our minds and put him in, but once we put him in, we can't take him out. Yeah, but let me, let me let me ask you something. Yeah. Um, when he was playing, there was, as far as I know, and, and I'm a diehard Met fan. As far as I know, there was never any any uh, um, rumors or or anything said. And even after the fact, when all, all this stuff was coming out about guys using steroids, that Mike Piazza yeah. hap- happened to be one of that. Now, now when he when he's eligible to become a uh, uh, a member of the Hall of Fame, now it comes out. So, I mean, that's yeah. kind of suspicious in my opinion. I, there were some whispers, and, but you know what? You remember the big rumor about Piazza, which was also nonsense. Yes, yes. Yeah. About, about, mean, him, I, I, about him living I, an I, alternate lifestyle. Yes, I understand that. Yes. Yeah, which was ridiculous. And yes. This sounds like a crock, but mm-hmm. um, my buddy was friends with Piazza's brother or, or something like that. And mm-hmm. he confirmed the fact that at the time, uh, you know, uh, Piazza was engaged to uh, a gal who I think she was a penthouse centerfold. Yep. Um, might, might've been playboy. Whatever yep. happened to nudie mags, they were so popular back in the day. <laughs> but, okay. No, they were. It's like, they're, yeah, they're you're so right. Relevant now. But when yep. I was a kid, that meant something, you know, like you say, some gal was in Playboy. It was like, whoa, whoa, you, you know. It, 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 and so many of those the, the gals who posed in Playboy, um, that was, I think, like the high standard for nudie mag. A lot of them mm-hmm. married big time entertainers and uh, athletes because they yep. say a lot of times the guys would read the magazine and then they'd say to their publicist, "Oh, you got to get me a date with that gal." Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, but. Uh, yeah, and the the thing is, uh, based on that, you know, six degrees of separation connection with Piazza, you know, uh, he wasn't using steroids, and he's not into the alternative lifestyle. Not that there's anything wrong with that. You know? <laughs> now, now, also, they they used to say that his uh, partner was uh, that guy, uh, the weatherman Sam Champion, which, yep, yep. you know. He came out a few years ago. Who cares? Yep. It's a free country. <laughs> yep. Yep. All um, right. Uh, I, uh, go ahead. <laughs> Wait, well, I mean, I mean, I mean yeah, yeah, it always happens, Jeff, no matter what. At, at yep. night, on Thursday night, and, and a little after 10 o'clock this morning, 
we still hear that uh, um, a co consistent sound in the background. What, whatever. It, it is what it is. Um, what's your thoughts? Now, there was rumblings um, about Craig Biggio possibly being a, a steroid user, and he got in. Now, uh, can you give me a – what's your thoughts on that? You know, um, I mean, I, by the time BGO was playing, I wasn't following baseball as close. But, the, you know, you're dealing with not conclusive proof, just anecdotal stuff, just the eye test. I mean, with Barry mm -hmm. Bonds, just looking at him, you know, mm -hmm. he, he he physically changed so much. It was very, very suspicious. Yep. Um, I think it's significant that BGO, I think, is the first – uh, a player to go into the Hall of Fame as a Houston Astro. That, you know, that, yeah. that franchise has been around since the early 60s. That doesn't speak well of that franchise. Is that right? I, I didn't realize that. Is that right? The first one to go I, in as a Houston Astro. I mean, there have been, of course, guys who played for the Astros. I think one sure. of the most notable, Joe Morgan started his career as an Astro. And right, right. This is one of the things I pick up is being someone who only pays sporadic attention to baseball. Now, right. I, I'm curious because there's so many guys who, if not for the steroid accusations, would be elected. You know, I mean, uh, you know, Clemens and McGuire and, and so, so all those guys, if there was no steroid, mm -hmm. to be boom, they're in automatic. Right. Um, right. So I was wondering, and I think a couple guys who had just missed the cut, but, you know, they, they played from the earlier era and there were no steroid accusations were going into the hall. And I was wondering if that would put Don Mattingly in there. Yeah. And I, I think there's a little precedent for that. The knock on Mattingly was the short career. Yeah, but, he had a short career. And I don't think it was a Hall of Famer. He, he was a hell of a player when he played, but I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. I think he for, just falls just say, short. For, but for about – but I think there's some precedent because for about five years – he was one of the best, maybe the best player in baseball. I mean, that's dominance. That's not a compiler. And right. not the same position, but let's say, um, so with you as a pitcher, if you're great, you're more dominant than a hitter because you got the ball in your hand over 100 times a game. Well, if you're a starter, as opposed to a position player where you're going to take maybe five swings and maybe, you know, field a few balls and that's it. Kovacs right. had a short career. Yes, he did. But and, he was he was he was extremely dominant when right. he was when he was when well, he pitched. But pitchers get more of an opportunity to be that dominant, you know. Yes. And yes. I don't I'm trying to think about uh a hitter, if there was ever a hitter with a short career. I mean it's a different sport, but look at Gail Sayers, short career, great mm -hmm. player. He mm -hmm. you know, he went into uh you know, the football hall of fame, you know, a little <laughs> different sport, but same idea. Because sure. there's some guys you know, who, uh, you know, trying to think of guys, you know, but baseball's had some guys stick around for 20 years, put up impressive career numbers, but were never dominant. You know, were never right. great. Never they, won they, an MVP or even just, came close. They just compiled, you're talking about, right? Yeah. Yeah, and that's, that's yeah. the name of the game for the Hall of Fame, it, lo it looks yeah. like, you know. Yeah. Well, I, I, I got to give it to BGO, I'm, I'll, I'll be here about. But the three guys that are going in at the same time, um, Pedro Martinez, uh, John Smoltz, uh, and uh, Randy Johnson, there is no doubt in my mind 
uh, that these guys are are surefire hall, hall of famers. Um, each one has a different pitching style. Each one was, was dominant in their own way. Um, and uh, uh, I took my hat to them. Um, I'm probably oh. going to I'm probably going to watch the uh, ceremony because um, uh, I do like baseball and, and I uh, do like I've, I've enjoyed watching these guys these particular guys when they were at the top of their game i would take the time to turn on the tv and, and if i could get it on its on the tv i would watch it because these guys were technicians you know, i i do remember those three pitchers and and smolt didn't didn't he finish his career as a reliever yes no oh, no 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 he he started his, his career as a a uh, 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 starting pitcher, and then they mm-hmm. put him in a bull, put bullpen for a short time, and then they yeah, mm-hmm. it took, took they took him back out of the bullpen, and and he um was a starting pitcher when he ended his career. Because you know, um, you know that's interesting, and yeah. I'm surprised more guys don't go back and forth from starter to the bullpen. I mean, you're not going to jerk around a great player like right. that, but you know. Um, you know, uh, I think guys could do it, and there's uh, there's some benefits to both. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, I'm trying to think of a guy. Probably when I think of a guy who is outstanding as a starter and a reliever, the first to come to mind is Dennis Eckersley. Yes. Um, yes. And and uh, I think it might have been surpassed, but I think at one point he might have been the only pitcher with a with a hundred wins and a hundred saves. Uh, um, you you and, you may be right there. I'm not sure. I mean, it, it could have been surpassed, but uh, you know, uh, I don't know. I mean, like uh, it was only for a stretch. I remember uh, Ron Guidry moved to the bullpen for a while when uh, Goose Gossage got injured in a fight. <laughs> they got a, a stupid fight in the locker room with Cliff Johnson over nothing. Hurt Gossage. I think it was maybe in '79, and. Uh, uh, injured Gossage is thumb enough where he couldn't pitch, and the Yankees ended up moving their, their best starter, Ron Guidry, to the bullpen. But I think the reason they uh, Guidry volunteered, and it was because he had spent a lot of time in the minors as a reliever. So, uh, you know, they thought he would do well, and he did for a little while. Well, let me uh, – I, I just brought this list up, Jeff, and believe it or not um... – Dennis actually is Dennis Eckersley is uh, number three on this hit list. He's got 197 wins and 390 saves. Now he's got the most saves because quite naturally he hit bread with butter when he was a reliever uh, and and uh, the closer. But uh, believe it or not, Hall of Famer John Smoltz is number two with 207 wins and 154 saves. And Tom Gordon, um, Tom Gordon was the, I'm trying to think what, um, I'm th- thinking Minnesota Twins, but I could be wrong. Um, Tom Gordon had 133 wins and 156 um, uh, saves. He was drafted by the Kansas City Royals, and he played for the Royals, the Red Sox, the Yankees, the Phillies, and the White Sox. Um and he's the the, the uh, um, he's the most he's the uh, 
uh, I guess the last year that th- this happened, uh, w- which was uh, 2007, and Smoltz and, and, and um, um, Gordon are the one and two. So, yeah, so, I, mean, so, I guess records fade away, but a guy like that will always be in the mix in that conversation. And and, and Goose Gossage happens to be number four with 124 and 310. And yeah. I mean, let me let me let me say this, Jeff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I have to happen to live with uh, uh, two women, one being my wife and the other one being my my older sister. And uh, she happens to be a Yankee fan. So, you know, I happen to be a Met fan. So, you know what kind of hell I'm catching. Um, uh, and call, her calling my team a little league team versus a, a major league team. Uh, and uh, anytime there's some stats and, it, and, and there's a Yankee, she's asking me uh, whether is, a, is there a Met that's involved in it. Quite naturally, there isn't. I'm looking at the list. Uh, there is no Mets in, in this list. So um, she happens to be looking at me right now and just rubbing it in, um, which is killing me. But it is what it is. You there? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Yeah. yeah. So so it uh, is what it is. All right, but, let's let's yeah. let's get to let's get to the business at hand because I really want to get to this. This is really what the crux crux of this show is all about. Uh, my running back uh, rankings. Um, I got some surprises. Some people are going to say, "What the heck are you talking about?" But um, I'm going this route. Uh, this is the, this is the path I've taken, and uh, I'll run with it. Uh, starting at number twenty-five. Since it, I'll get your opinion on each one of these, start at number 25. Um, the man who, uh, along with Le'Veon Bell, got busted um, back in um, November, October time frame, uh, got re- cut by the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, went back to the uh, New England Patriots, and they really balled out, uh, which, he, which I'm surprised they got rid of him in the first place. But uh, uh, now this year, he's going to compete with uh, Jonas Gray, James White, and Tyler Gaffney because uh, uh, Stephen Ridley and uh, um, Ben Shane Vereen are are no longer with the team. They they moved on. Um, I have uh, Legarrette Blunt as my number twenty five running back, um, and. Uh, he is possibly a running back two, running back three. Um, and uh, if he is able to beat out any of these players and play on a consistent basis, because you know what the uh, um, New England Patriots like to do. Uh, they like to mess with fantasy football players. And uh, LeGarrette Blunt could have a 250-yard game. And the next week, he couldn't play as he would. He wouldn't play a snap, and that's Bill Belichick. Uh, what's your thoughts on me putting um, uh, Legarrette Blunt uh, starting it off at number twenty-five on this hit list? Um, you know, I mean, there's certain things I like about Legarrette Blunt. <laughs> yes, uh, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, uh, and, and he brought that on himself. 
I yes, think he did. 45's a little high. But uh, the okay. thing is, it's, it's very hard to uh, get excited about New England running backs. Uh, uh, it's been a while since they had a, a real go-to guy. But uh, I think Blunt is a guy Belichick likes. And it's not a, it's not a personal thing. I mean, it's because uh, Blunt doesn't fumble the ball because no coach likes that. I think now it's almost at the point where, you know, hey, if a guy carries the ball enough times, once in a while, you know, somebody's going to strip it. But, uh, you know, uh, so he he's very good uh, ball handler because that put, uh, that put uh, Ridley on the bench uh, in recent years. And also Blunt is a very good goal line runner. Right. He's got and, a lot of power. Um, that, that'll... Uh, That'll keep him out of the doghouse. As long as he can lay off the chronic, uh, he might be relevant. <laughs> and the, the That's thing very is, hard with, for him to do. Yeah, with with the uh, with with the Patriots, Blunt could be inactive for game one, and then boom, have thirty carries game two. Yeah. Be inactive again game three. I mean, that's yeah. Yep. You know, they, they drive. You know, with especially with the running backs, they drive fantasy uh, GMs crazy. Yep. Yes, they do. All right, let's move on to number 24. This guy's a rookie. Um, he had a really productive year with 452 carries in, in um, 3,219 uh, 3, yards, uh, which was a seven, a little more than seven yards per carry. At, he had 28 touchdowns. He caught 54 passes. In uh, the three seasons he played at Indiana, he is now with the uh, uh, Atlanta Falcons um, behind second-year player uh, Devonta Freeman. Um, he's a, um, a, a similar runner to uh, Chris Johnson, um, and, and uh, it could be a possibility that he would have the lead back role in Kyle Shanahan, who uh, likes to run the football quite a bit, or he could be a running back by committee. Um, this is one that is really interesting in training camp to look at to see if uh, Tevin Coleman or Devontae Freeman, who's listed right now as the starting running back for the Atlanta Falcons, if uh, Devontae, uh, excuse me, if uh, Tevin Coleman uh, can um, uh, overtake. Uh, Devonta Freeman take that lead back role, and because he's got the uh, um, he's got four three uh, f- uh, four three nine four four speed, um, which uh, can put him on the field and be a, especially on the turf in Atlanta, uh, be a big play um, running back. Um, I have him at number twenty four. Uh, he would make if he is in the starting lineup a great. Uh, RB2 with uh, RB1 potential, uh, depending on uh, uh, how much uh, Lander runs the ball. They have a a uh, um, defensive-minded coach and coming from uh, Seattle. So most defensive-minded coaches are pretty conservative, like to play sound defense or run the football, play ball control. Uh, he can be a – he could have, uh, like I said, RB2. Um, quite naturally, he's 24, so I got him listed as an RB2. Um, but uh, he could be a 
possible R, low, low RB1 if, uh, if he's used effectively and, and he cracks the starting lineup. What's your thoughts? You know, um, obviously, you know, very fast, looks very talented. It's just uh, there's only maybe a handful, if that, of uh, uh, rookie running backs that are very fantasy relevant. And Mm -hmm. this is why, you know, I guess especially regarding uh, Coleman, you got to pay attention to training camp and preseason see how it looks for him. And, um, you know, one of the things that's tough in fantasy, if a guy like him might start out the season with a small role and that might grow as the season rolls on. And most of the time you want guys who are going to get touches right away. You don't want to have to wait half a season for maybe. And that's what makes it really hard to invest a lot into guys like Coleman. All right. Uh, before I go any further, before I go further, I want to let people know here. Um, last year, it was the year of the wide receiver, rookie wide receivers coming in and playing big time roles and, and, and producing big time. I'm going to make a bold statement here today uh, that there's at least a half a dozen running backs that got drafted that have a strong possibility of making a big impact on their teams. Um, there's about uh, at least four of them that are in my top 25 that um, have a strong possibility to make major roles in, in their uh, team's offense. And after I go through the t- 25, I'm going to give you the other uh, few that I have that um, – can can absolutely uh, make a difference, um, but on it, are not in the top twenty-five, um, and they could easily be in the top twenty-five. But I'm going to twenty-two. I think this guy is in a perfect situation. Um, absolutely, I mean, you couldn't ask for a better situation for this guy. He moves from a uh, lack of a quarterback to possibly, and I think he is going to be eventually, a quarterback that's going to land in the Hall of Fame uh, into an offense that loves to use a running back in the passing game. His skill set dictates that he's better better playing on artificial turf versus real grass. He goes to Drew Brees. He goes to Sean Payton. Um, they've gotten rid of two running backs. They have a main running back in Mark Ingram, who's going to be the thumper. He's going to be the change of pace of Darren Sproles type of guy. They've gotten rid of Jimmy Graham. Um, so they're, they're going to be needing guys to catch the ball. And this is one guy in CJ Spiller for the New Orleans Saints. That's going to be a possibly 60 catch uh, running back out of the backfield much less, uh, uh, and that's just not discounting that he's possibly going to run the ball a few times too. So in PPR, this guy, in my opinion, is going to be a gem picking up late in, in draft because I don't think he's going to get drafted that high by too many people because he's an afterthought. Um, uh, and most people are going to concentrate on the um, 
the other running backs that I, I'm going to name. Uh, and C.J. Spiller is, uh, I have him at 23. He can easily, especially in PPR, move up um, five, ten spots. That's how much I think he's going to be used, uh, and, and especially the way they're going to run the offense. Uh, C.J. Spiller, uh, RB2, definitely a flex option. If you have a flex position in your fantasy lineup, talk to me, Jeff. Yeah, I, I like Spiller a lot. I, ideally, I mean, this depends on how deep your league is. I think of him as more so an RB3, you know, but possibly RB2. Uh, and uh, I really think the uh, Saints offense uh, has a little bit of a rebound this year. Uh, and I think uh, Sean Payton, he's one of these guys who's he'll change the offense enough to make it keep running because that's what good coaches do. Good coaches, they're committed to what works, not just their way. And I think that offense is going to – they weren't bad last year, but, they, you know, everybody expects a lot from that offense. But I think, uh, you know, they've got some new personnel, uh, but they have some of the old favorites like Breeze, of course. They still have Marcus Colston. they got Ingram mm-hmm. coming back. And, uh, I, I, I mean, they're going to miss Jimmy Graham, but other guys are going to step up, I think. And uh, yep. uh, this – that that offense a few years ago, Darren Sproles did very well in that role as a pass catching running back. And prior to that, Reggie Bush did very well in that role. So uh, if Spiller could stay healthy, he, he could be, uh, you know, very relevant this year. All right, here we go. Number 22. Um, first, first year, he was the first year lead back. Not the first year he was in the league, but he the first year he was a lead back. He's only 5'9", 199 pounds. Um, and uh, now he's, he's 26 years old. Uh, he ha- had hernia, hip, and foot injuries that uh, he spent time on the injury reserve list. Uh, and uh, about 22 touches a game, but he, he – his uh, – Rushing um, yards per carry were uh, only 3.28. He, it, 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 I put him at number 22 because he's in the Bruce Arian offense, and I think that um, they're going to give him every opportunity to um, have that lead role. Um, I do believe that he'll have the lead role early in the season, uh, but Training camp is going to be the key for him because uh, they're the rookie, and I'll name him, la- name him later, that can take over his position who's bigger and, and, and uh, just as quick um, that could uh, take over his lead back role uh, and be more be more of a, a thumper and be more physically dominant than Andre Ellington. But for now, I have him at 22, and uh, um, he's a, a boomer bust uh, RB two three. What's your thoughts? Yeah, I think uh, Ellington is uh, RB two. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he, he wasn't able to put a full season together, but uh, when he was healthy, he was uh, very productive. Okay. All right. Let's move on to this guy here. He outplayed, believe it or not, he outplayed Eddie Lacy as a true freshman before uh, he became Alabama's lead back. 
in his sophomore and junior year, uh, rushing uh, uh, for 300, excuse me, 3,322 yards and 37 touchdowns on 576 carries. Uh, he had a 5.77 yards per carry average, along with uh, 46 catches. He gained five yards plus on 46% of his uh, 2014 carries, the highest rate in this year's class despite facing the toughest schedule. He ran a 4-4, excuse me, a 4-6-1 at the combine. Uh, he ran better at the uh, Alabama Pro Day when he ran a, a 4-5-2, 4-5-3. So I would say he's in the 4-5, the 4-6 range. Um, he's over to Jacksonville who basically don't have a running back. They got the Denard Robinson, uh, the slow-footed um, – oh, my God, I can't, I can't remember his name now. Um, the slow-footed re- running back that they signed a big contract to. Jeff, can help me out here. Oh, uh, Jacksonville? Yeah. Oh, oh, the, the guy who uh, was back up in Minnesota for a while um, yes. from uh, Stanford – Oh yes. yeah, I can't stand that guy. Um, yeah, he, he, he was a lousy handcuff for AP. He was Toby Gerhardt. Quarter. Toby uh, Gerhardt. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So that's the running Toby, back. Toby Nohart. Yeah. There you go. That's the running back competition that uh, uh, TJ Yeldon has. So, in my opinion, this is the rookie. Okay, this is the rookie that I think has a clear path to be the starting running back and to make a difference in the running attack of the, uh, um, which is sorely needed for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Another coach, Gus Bradley, who's a defensive minded coach comes from the defensive background who wants to play sound defense and run the football. Unfortunately, they were very inconsistent in the running back position uh, uh, last year and the year before. Um, that's why one of the reasons why they drafted uh, T.J. Yeldon to um, improve that that uh, aspect of the game. Uh, so along with Blake Bortles and the young receiving core that they have, uh, T.J. Yeldon, I think, is in an ideal spot to make a difference and, and to uh, be a solid RB2 in this um, – in this Jacksonville and, and Jacksonville offense, and quite naturally into fantasy football. What's your thoughts? T.J. Yeldon out of University yeah. of Alabama. I mean, I, I like him. Um, the, and this is a minor thing. I think of him maybe more ideally, depending on the size of the league, is an RB3. Uh, sometimes, I mean, uh, being on a last-place team, it sometimes hurts the value of a running back because those teams frequently play from behind. And then, you know, in the second half, they throw the ball a lot and not necessarily to the running backs. And I remember a few years back, I had a pretty good running back for the Detroit Lions, Kevin Smith, but he didn't get as many rushing carries as you would have liked because they were always playing from behind. Uh, I mean, is uh, Yeldon a, a good receiver? Because uh, that would definitely add to his value, and and not, not every running back coming into the league is a good receiver. Uh, T.J. Young is a uh, decent receiver. I'm not saying that he's a um, Darren Sproles 
or 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 a Danny Woodhead, but he can catch mm-hmm. the football. Yes. Okay, because some some guys really yes. uh, struggle with that early in their career. Uh, yep. But you know, it's it's like a lot of things. It's a team sport, and it's a lot of times it's not just about the player; it's also about the situation, the opportunities. Okay, this guy here, I have him at number twenty. I'm absolutely loving this kid. Um, I've talked about uh, this team uh, having a a a uh, terrific trio that are going to build together. Him being the elder statesman of the three, I'm talking about Derek Carr, uh, who's going to be a second year quarterback. I'm talking about Amari Cooper, who I talked about last year, last week, uh, being the uh, rookie wide receiver. Talking about three-year running back. This is the third year. Uh, the Oakland Raiders held him out until November, which I was I was screaming for him to put him in a lot earlier because this kid is a a um, a clone body type of Demarco Murray, uh, about six one, six two, same uh, uh, I think about the same weight as Demarco Murray, about two twenty five, two two twenty around that frame. And has average um, last year with uh, four, uh, four and thirteen yards and six, seventy-six runs because he was only limited because of the way they 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 finally decided to use him. Uh, Five point four three yards per carry over his final six games. I think the Marco Murray is a star waiting to happen. But and yeah, yeah, I'm saying I got him at number 20. He's going to be a steal in the mid rounds uh, because I think he's going to put up some serious um, yardage and, and, and points. He's in a run heavy offense run by offensive coordinator Bill Musgrave. He's got a again, a defensive minded head coach that wants to play defense. And, and you've heard me say this over and over again, people. You get a defensive-minded coach, a guy with a defensive um, background, he's going to want to be conservative. Most defensive coaches are conservative in nature. They're going to rely on their defense as much as they can and run the football and then take their shots. I think DeMarco – I mean, DeMarco. Latavius Murray (laughs) – yes, Latavius Murray um, is a um, star waiting to happen. Uh, I picked up – when I uh, when I the last time I said this, I picked up Arian Forster in the fifth or sixth round. Um, the, the next time I said it, I picked up Jamal Charles in the fifth or sixth round. I'm saying it again. I, I like this kid a lot. He's got speed. He's got the size, um, and I think he's got the type of offense that's going to make him shine. Even though I got him at 20, I think he easily can be in the top 10. I like Latavius Murray a lot. Talk to me, Jeff. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. I, I don't feel as strongly as you do, and I think um, one of the things holding back is that you know Latavius Murray is yet to put together a full NFL season as a full-time player. Now, even though uh, Al Davis has passed away, the Raiders are still very similar, and, mm-hmm. and they have. Uh, this isn't a deal breaker, but they have a tradition tradition of uh, sharing the load at running back. Um, they think they were kind of doing that before uh, it became popular, but that's still not a reason not to draft Murray. It's just a question of when. 
And, uh, you know, I'm, I'd almost like to see the Raiders develop that offense and have a winning record just for the, for the sake of parity. You know what I mean? Because right. for, for too long, I mean, the, the, the Raiders have almost been like the Bermuda Triangle for fantasy football. And uh, it's not good for the league when, it, when a team is, is very bad for a long time. Uh, so uh, I think a lot of people think there's a, there's a lot of potential with that Raiders offense. And, uh, you know, and part of me would like to see it happen. Uh, yeah. Okay. At number 19, this guy should be a solid uh, RB2. Um, he may get overhyped and, and be drafted maybe as, as an RB1, and I don't think he's going to be there. Um, he's going to go up against the Rams. He's going to go up the against the uh, uh, Seattle Seahawks and against the Arizona Cardinals defenses. Um, he's got he's got another. This is another guy that's got a co- head coach comes from the defensive background, uh, and that 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 they want to run the football. The the uh, 49ers uh, and the hierarchy. Um, want to get back to running the football. That's one reason why Jim Harbaugh is no longer there because he wanted to he wanted to put more uh, balls in the air uh, versus um, being being conservative. The first few time few years he was there and running the football, he wanted to change up and thought Colin Kaepernick could emerge as a passing. Uh, I wouldn't say passing, but more passing than than necessary, and. Uh, um, the hierarchy of uh, um, the uh, 49ers uh, disagree with him. So Carlos Hyde, Frank Gore is no longer there. Michael Crabtree is no longer there. Um, um, Mike Upati is no longer there. Uh, and that some defensive key defensive players are no longer there. So with that being said, and the team being not as explosive um, on offense as they may have been, in the past, uh, especially with Frank Gore and, and company, they're going to try to run the football more with Carlos Hyde. Um, but I think uh, because of the lack of offensive punch that uh, Carlos Hyde's going to be overvalued. I have met n- number 19, but uh, he could easily drop out of the top 25 because of the fact is um, uh the offensive weapons on the outside uh, and teams stacking up the uh, line of scrimmage to stop the run, uh, not being threatened by um, the passing game. But I have my number 19, Carlo High. What's your thoughts? Yeah, it's very hard to get excited about the the 49ers this year, especially um, that offense. They've lost so many people on both sides of the ball. Um, uh, it, oh shoot! I lost my. <laughs> it's okay. But, it's uh, all right. The thing, the thing is, as far as RB one, usually for RB one, I want a guy who's done it on a full time basis for close to a for a full season or close to it. You know what I mean? Right. Um, uh, you don't want to base too much on past performance, but I, I really think it says something about a guy who could put together a full season with a full-time uh, running back workload. So that's mm-hmm. for RB1, that's usually what I'm looking for. Okay. This, this next guy depends a lot on the quarterback. Uh, he's a read, uh, read option quarterback. 
And read option quarterbacks usually uh, when a running back, uh, uh, a decent running back is is uh, behind the, uh, a quarterback that is a read option quarterback usually thrive uh, as long as the the quarterback thrives, They're able to move around a pocket, um, create the havoc, and, and the running back uh, um, um, or a mobile quarterback, a, a running back um, benefits from that. Uh, look at uh, Michael Vick went and with uh, look at LaShawn McCoy with uh, Michael Vick. Look at um, um, uh, um, Chris Johnson when he had a uh, Vin, Vin, Vince. Um, um, oh my God! Young, Vince Young, yes, Vince Young. Um, for example, uh, look at RG three when uh, uh, look at Alfred Morris, who I'm talking about, had RG three. Uh, when he was uh, been able to move around and, and create havoc for the offense, I mean defense. So uh, even though I have him at 18, okay, uh, and even though he is a uh, strictly a runner, uh, not probably going to be used in a passing game because he's got uh, hands of stone, for more or less. Um, his value is uh, greatly influenced by how. It, um, um, efficient and, and how um, RG3 performs. If RG3 performs um, poorly, Alfred Morris is going to have difficulty because they're going to stack the box knowing that um, RG3 is not as mobile and can't do the things that he used to do and that and, uh, Jay Gruden likes to run the football um, and then play, have play action. Well, play action doesn't work work well if you can't run the football. So, um, he is a uh, mid range RB two, uh, mid to low range RB two, in my opinion. Uh, Alfred Morris, um, very limited because of uh, how he's not used. Going to be used in a passing game. They got Matt Jones, who they drafted um, in the. Um, <clears throat> Uh, was the fifth round? I think they met the, the uh, third round. I'm sorry. They drafted Matt Jones to be the uh, change of pace back for passing downs. So Alfred is, is limited and capped on um, what he may do from week to week. Talk to me, Jeff. Yeah, I, I pretty much feel the same way about Alfred Morris. Uh, you know, he's been a, a, a very solid, productive running back, not flashy. Uh, good straight-ahead runner, which is very important in the NFL. Um, and, uh, you know, you're curious if his role is going to change. I mean, maybe, uh, unlikely, but maybe with Roy Halugan, he might catch a few more balls, which is always important for a running back. Um, uh, Jerry, uh, it's been a pleasure. i got to get going. Jeff, I appreciate you the, the, the time you spent. Uh, enjoy the uh, rest of the day, and I'll talk to you again on Thursday. Great. All right. Take care, buddy. You too. Bye-bye. Okay, people. Um, thank That's Jeff the Joker. He uh, joined me for a short time uh, um, today. He's normally a co-host on the uh, FSP Crew Show. And uh, um, we're going to take a short break and, and be right back because – of uh i just have to at this point we'll be right back 
Thursday night is the right time to kick back and listen to the FSP Crew Show as they break down the weekend sports and prepare you for Thursday night football. 8 p.m. Eastern, just before the game starts. Jerry the Master Taylor hosts the show with Jeff the Joker Goldberg and Mike the Bookie Monster Wright. The three gentlemen debate and discuss a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of everything on the FSP Crew Show every Thursday night on blogtalkradio.com forward slash V-I-C-H-B-K, 8 p.m. Eastern. You can listen at spotonradio.webs.com after the show as it streams 24-7, 365. And listen to other informative programs as well. Information, motivation, variety. Victor Gardner began the fantasy sports and politics brand with the idea of combining two of his passions into a radio show. He then learned that politics were 95% of sports. When you tune into the Fantasy Sports and Politics show every Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern, Mr. FST himself, Vic Gardner, and Jerry the Master Taylor will go over the weekend sports, prep you for your upcoming fantasy games, and spark a debate politicians would love to hear. That's the FSP Show every Saturday at 1 p.m. on blogtalkradio.com forward slash V-I-C-H-B-K. You can listen at spotonradio.web.com after the show as it streams 24-7-365. For other informative programs as well, information, motivation, variety. All right, people, I'm back. All right, we're talking fantasy football, uh, specifically we're talking running backs. Um, here we go with uh, number 17. Uh, he uh, succeeded Monty Ball as, as the Wisconsin bell cow. Um, he had 631 carries, uh, 4,915 4, yards, was equated to 7.79 um, yards per carry. And he, he, he uh, uh, had uh, 45 touchdowns, but he only caught 22 passes. So he's, he is not a, a great pass catcher or nor a great pass blocker. So in my opinion, he equates to a, a, um, a two-down back. I have him at number 17. Uh, I think Danny Woodhead is probably going to um, uh, pick up the uh, – uh, pass catching duties out of the backfield, and I feel that uh, Melvin Gordon is going to um, succeed as a running back with the San Diego Chargers. Now, I think he's a, a, a low end running back one. This is another rookie here. So right, so far in my top twenty five, I've gotten three rookies. Okay, three rookies. Um, that I could I see that can possibly make a difference uh, right away uh, in, in ideal situations that are going to be starting running backs and be effective in the uh, uh, running game and in the offense for their uh, for their respective teams. I think uh, uh, he's an, like I said a low end RB one, and that uh, um, with. The only thing you had to be leery about, and I've said this before, is that he's a Wisconsin running back who's had um, very good uh, um, offensive lines, um, 
if you just just chronicle the um, Wisconsin running backs and uh, see how well they've done in college and how that's transitioned into the uh, NFL. But I think this kid is supposed to be a, a Jamal Charles type guy. And uh, we'll see how he takes to the NFL, especially in the pass blocking duties, because that's it's key into getting him on the field, uh, in, in especially in three downs, pass blocking duties, um, and being able to be effective in a running game. Now, he's got a very good quarterback. He's got wide receivers that can stretch the field. Uh, including the tight end, he has to do his part. He's got a good offensive line. He has to do his part, find the holes, hit the hole, and uh, um, use that Jamal Charles, supposedly Jamal Charles-type ability to uh, make plays. And I think I have him at 17, uh, and uh, it's a strong possibility that he can he can uh, be better than that. But uh, – Training camp is, is key for, for a rookie. Key. All right, this guy's injury prone. He's uh, had minor injuries throughout his career. Um, always been in a, in a committee type of uh, environment. Um, happened to play. Uh, last year and played very well uh, down the stretch of his team. He uh, uh, had 128 carries and uh, 679 yards last year, last season, uh, with uh, uh, 5.3 yards per carry over the uh, Panthers' final seven games. Um, he's, he's only 28 years old. And he hasn't been used that much because he's um, been injury prone and a running back by committee. D'Angelo Williams is no longer there. Uh, Jonathan, Stewart's, it, John, excuse me, Jonathan Stewart is the lead back now. Uh, he does have, they did draft a rookie to back him up. Um, it, I suggest if you draft Jonathan Stewart, okay, that you draft his backup. Um, because his history dictates that he is not a um, durable back, and it's a possibility that he may be a getting injured sometime in, 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 in during the season. RB two with uh, RB one upside. That's Jonathan Stewart at number uh, sixteen. Number fifteen. Uh, this guy is. Uh, um, uh, got the lead back role for now, uh, but how long could it, can it be? Now, he's up against a guy that uh, is a rookie, another rookie that can make a difference. But uh, right now, he he is uh, still a rough around the edges. He drops too many passes, okay? Um, he's, he's never got more than 20 carries in a game. Only went for... Uh, 15 carries in six of 16 games, had a five point, uh, five point yards per carry uh, a game. He caught 38 balls, scored nine times, and he, uh, but he just handled the ball under 14 times a game. 
I'm expecting him to get that mount, maybe a little bit more. Expecting him to be the uh, main back, um, but he may have competition uh, later in the season. Maybe not early in the season, but he may have competition later in the season. And um, but uh, Lamar Miller should be the lead back role, and I have him at number um, um, fifteen on my hit list. Next guy is the old sage. He's moved from San Francisco over to Indianapolis. Um, he held off Carlos Hyde. He held off Carlos Hyde, and um, he really doesn't have that many that much competition at, in, in Indianapolis. So I think he's going to be the lead lead role lead back. In that role in Indianapolis, he can catch definitely catch the ball out of the backfield. He, uh, Frank Gore, thirty something years old, thirty two years old. That's an old for a back, but he has been durable, he's been reliable, and he's the type of back. Okay. So we'll do this, people. Um, Frank Gore is a guy that uh, I think that is going to do well. And I like him a lot. And uh, we'll see what happens with uh, him in that prolific offense with uh, um, Andrew Luck and company. He's not going to have uh, eight and nine in a box because of the passing game of the Indianapolis Colts. And I think uh, he can easily be a RB1, uh, put up RB1 numbers. Um, so let's move on to the number 13. Uh, this guy broke out last year in, 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 uh, in, a, Gary, in a Gary Kubiak offense. Now he's in a Mark Tressman offense, meaning I'm thinking he's going to catch more balls um, besides running the football. I think he's a legit guy to surprise a lot of people, especially in PPR, um, with a draft, uh, average draft being in the, um, uh, if it's a 12-team league, in the mid uh, um, 30s, which would be uh, third or fourth round, somewhere around there. I think Justin Forsett would be a steal if you can get him in the fourth or fifth round. For the simple fact is that he is a going to be a dynamite in Mark Tressman's uh, offense, especially in PPR. Most of my leagues, in fact, all of my leagues are PPR and um, – if you're a draft, excuse me. If you're drafting low, meaning if you're in a 12-team league, you're drafting 10, 11, 12, um, and it's a PPR. Chances are you're not going to get a top top of the five running backs. Um, <clears throat> chances are that uh, you may pick a wide receiver um, versus a, a a stud wide receiver versus a running back uh, in a 10, 11, 12 range. 
Justin Forsett will be there for you in the third or fourth round. Um, but like I said, if you think he's going to be taken earlier, then I would uh, move earlier on him. But I, I, I absolutely love it. Look at what happened, what Matt Forte did when Mark Trestum had him. Career year in receptions with Matt Forte. You, you think that's not going to translate to Justin Forsett? Absolutely. Trust me on that one. Mark Ingram. They got Mark Ingram. Uh, is that number uh, tw- 12? Okay. He's only 25. He averaged 4.65 yards per carry over his past 23 games. And the Saints have said they're changing their offense. They're going to be more run-oriented. They got rid of Pierre Thomas. They got rid of uh, – um, um, Trying to think who else they got rid of. No, no longer Chris Ivory there. It's quite natural. He's with the Jets. Um, and they picked up uh, uh, CJ Spiller to, to fill that um, um, Darren Spoles role. So, what's going to happen? Mark Ingram's going to get the goal line carries. Um, and he's probably going to get about 20, 20, between 20 and 25 carries a game, all right? He's, he's going to get, like I said, the goal line carries in a high-powered offense. Um, but they, like I said, they signed C.J. Spiller to be that Darren Sproles type. So in passing downs or in, in change of pace type of uh, downs, Mark Ingram won't be there. But Mark Ingram finished ninth in, pre, in per game running back scoring and had best his career best in every category. So I like Mark Ingram at number 12 um, to be a very solid back here. Now I have Matt Forte. John Fox is a a defensive-minded coach. They're going to try to keep the football out of Jay Cutler's hand as much as possible. So they're going to run the football. Seeing that they're going to run the football, I would think that the um, Matt Forte is going to be leaned heavily. And uh, even though he was in the top five, if I'm not mistaken, uh, top at least top seven uh, last year, um, he's dropped because his value in the passing game, uh, I do believe, will be dropped because he's not going to be in Mark Tristram's offense. Um, he's not going to catch as many uh, passes as he caught last year, even though he will be involved in the passing game. And that uh, uh, he'll be still be an effective running back. He's at that dreaded age of 30 uh, in, in, this year. And uh, his yards per carry has dropped sharp, has dropped uh, dramatically since uh, 2013. But uh, as long as they use him in the passing game, I think they can make up for him. That's why I still have him um, at, at number 11. He's not dropped off the map, but he's at number 11 now. And that's where I like him. Okay? All right, let's move on to uh, my back. Not my back, but one of the guys that I called out uh, before he broke out. Um, 
and I and I still think he's effective. He's uh, getting up there in age. He he turns twenty. He'll be twenty nine. He t- turns twenty nine this year. Um, and he's uh, been used quite a bit. Um, he's had hip, groin, hamstring, um, uh, but he's remained one of the uh, um, top NFL uh, running backs. Um, year in and year out. He had a uh, 4.79 yard per carry, which was his best in a half a decade. Um, He ran second among running backs in per game fantasy points, only trailing DeMarco Murray because they they depended on him heavily. They depended on him heavily. um, uh, And they'll do that again this year. But he's coming to the end of the road, and uh, I, I like him a lot still as a uh, uh, running back one. But you should handcuff him with Alfred Blue. You should definitely handcuff him with Alfred Blue to protect yourself. This is a run-first offense, so whoever gets the ball um, with that offensive line should be a pretty effective runner. Alfred Blue uh, was a rookie last year. Now he, he's, he's got a year under his belt um, and, and uh, learned the offense and the NFL a little bit better the second year going in, going into the second year. So if you get uh, Arian Foster and uh, probably in the second round, some people draft him in, in the first round. I have him in the second round, uh, mid-second round, late second round, somewhere around there. Um, you should handcuff Alfred Blue sometime late in the draft. All right, let's move on to number nine. Okay. He didn't have one of his best years uh, last year. Um, and he did definitely took a step back from uh, 2013. Chip Kelly got rid of him uh, because he could see that he wasn't the type of back that he needed. Chip Kelly needed a one-cut back. To hit the hit the uh, hole and run north or south, not east east and west. Um, Lashawn McCoy had the tendency to do that, looking for the big play versus hitting the hole and and, and uh, um, getting to the uh, second level of a defense. But he's still an effective runner. He's going to be the man in Buffalo uh, in a run heavy offense. Run heavy offense. Uh, the problem they're going to have is the offensive line and the quarterback situation may hinder him. Um, eight, nine in the box because the quarterback's not that effective. And it's a predictable offense being that they're going to run the football first and foremost. But I do have LaShawn McCoy to be an effective back because he's going to be the lead back, the main guy to get the ball the majority of the time. He's not in the run back, running back by committee. And, uh, and it's versatile. He can catch the ball out of the backfield, even though I think Fred Jackson, excuse me, Fred Jackson is going to be doing that also. But I still have him at number nine. And number eight, I predicted I predicted this kid would be a beast uh last year. Uh and he was that. Uh, I predicted him he would be better than Giovanni Bernard, and he was that. Uh I predicted that he would get the ball the most. 
um, because of Hugh Jackson, who likes to run the football a lot in his offense, and he did that. Talking about Jeremy Hill. Jeremy Hill is 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 going to be his second year in this offense, coming off a bang-up rookie year. And he was highly efficient catching the ball, too, when he had the opportunity. And, he, and he's a very good blocker. So that means he's a three-down back. Um, and uh, he's definitely running back one. And you can get him late. A lot of drafts, people are taking him late in the second round in a 12-team uh, draft. And uh, uh, But you're getting running back one. Um, Numbers from Jeremy Hill, and you know, you know that he's going to get the rock. Hugh Jackson, Hugh Jackson is definitely going to let you let you know that hey, we're coming, and Jeremy Hill's coming at you. So remember that. All right, number seven, and this is going to surprise a lot of people. Going to be surprised a lot of people here that I have this guy at number seven. But I do. Suspended last year, all except for one game. He's 30 years old. Been a top runner at Minnesota. He's definitely a future Hall of Famer. But I have him at number seven. A lot of people have him at number one pick. I have him at number seven. Um, Box is going to be stacked against him. Guaranteed. They're going to, first and foremost, they're going to try to stop AP. I know everybody has tried to stop AP. Well, I know he's got hat in a year off. I know that. I know he, he's supposed to be a physical freak. I know that. But he's 30. He's 30. Okay? Show me that you can still do it, and then I'll put you, uh, I'll say I was wrong. But right now? I have Adrian Peterson listed at number seven on my hit list. He's got a quarterback that's in his second year that may show improvement and may not. Is it a sophomore slump that the quarterback's going to fall in under the North Turner offense? He got decent tight ends, decent wide receivers, a fall, like I said, Hall of Fame running back. Is he going to be able to find the holes and do what Adrian Peterson does? Number seven is where I have Adrian Peterson. Gary Kubiak has moved on from the Denver Broncos. I mean, excuse me, from the uh, um, Baltimore Ravens to the Denver Broncos. Zone scheme type of running. Uh, they have running backs that can fit that mold. And C.J. Anderson happens to be one of them. You got a Demarius Thomas who just got paid. You got Emmanuel Sanders who is put up career numbers last year. No more Wes Walker. You got Cody Latimer who is a second-year player who is probably going to take a nice step up in in, uh, um, in his uh, career. And you have Peyton Manning as the quarterback. They're going to run the football. Just like they did in Houston, they're going to try to run the football as much as they can and play action and make plays down the field um, and take shots when, when necessary. 
They're going to meld the type of offense that Peyton Manning is used to versus the, the uh, type of offense that Gary Kubiak wants to run. And the zone scheme running type of uh, offense is C.J. Anderson is going to excel in. And uh, I think he's a bona fide, absolutely running back one. Let's move on to this guy that has been a mainstay in the top five for the last few years. Talked about this guy when Larry Johnson was still on the Kansas City Chiefs. And I told you about this kid. And uh, he's been nothing short of what I said this kid was going to be about. I'm talking about Jamal Charles. He was top back in 2013. Had some had some um, issues with foot, knee, and ankle, um, which which uh, uh, he wasn't consistent as last season. He still scored 14 um, touchdowns, whether it was on the ground or in the air. He still scored caught 14 touchdowns, and he ranked seventh among tailbacks in per-game fantasy scoring. Now, he had a smaller role in the passing game last season. I think that that is going to change. I think um, Alex Smith, who likes to throw the ball and, and, and uh, um, or dump the ball off uh, and have short to intermediate passes. It's going to use uh, Jamal Charles more than he used him last year. That's the way Andy Reid's offense operates. And I think um, he's a no-brainer RB1. But I say this. If you draft Jamal Charles, you draft his handcuff just in case, and that's Niall Davis. Because when Niall Davis was in there, he was no joke. He balled out himself when he had the lead back role when uh, um, Jamal Charles was dealing with his, injury, um, his injuries. So you got to draft, um, draft him too. Now we're with the, in the top four. And uh, here we go. How long is this guy going to be in the top five? He turns he turned 29 in April. All right. Got a lot of carries under his belt on those legs. Um, had had high 17 touchdowns last year in an offense that relies heavily on Rushing the football, play sound defense, and rushing the football. Marshawn Limps, week in and week out, brings beast mode every week. Almost a guarantee to be uh, top five in uh, 2015. Was involved a little more in the passing game last year, and I think that's still going to happen. Now, Jimmy Graham being there may take away a little bit from, from him, in a passing game, but I don't think so. I think Marshawn Lynch showed that he can catch the ball effectively out of the backfield. So they're going to get the ball to Marshawn as much as they can and play sound defense and, and let the other team, the op opposition, make mistakes. Let's go to this guy. Now, I caution this. 
I called this guy out. I said he this guy was the man last year. Um and he had some issues the first game or whatever it was. Um first few games. But he came back and he balled out. Talk about Le'Veon Bell. I talked about this offense that Todd Haley had um, put together with Ben Roethlisberger. He had a 4.69 yard per carry. Yard per carry. He had 83 catches last year. 83. So he's definitely involved uh, in the passing game. Um, He had, along with the passing, uh, catching passes, uh, um, 100 plus yards, 15 out of the 16 games last year. Now, and he dropped 20 pounds last year. But I still think he's the number one. He, he's due to get suspended for three games. Um, And I still think that he's a number one, uh, definitely a top five running back. Um, Duty gets suspended for three games. And uh, um, in that offense, uh, this is what I would do. If, you, if you're fortunate enough to be within the top five in the drafting, six or whatever, depending on how the draft goes, and Le'Veon Bell falls to you, I would draft him. And then I would draft D'Angelo Williams because I think both these backs <clears throat> in their respective time being the lead back are going to be effective because that's the way the Todd Haley offense operates. So I think uh, D'Angelo Williams, even though he's a little older, will be effective in this. But I do like Le'Veon Bell when he, uh, when and if he, he gets on the field, it's going to be on back without a shadow of a doubt. All right, let's get to number two. Number two. He, 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 this guy, I won a championship with this guy. T-Rich 2.0. Had a three point, uh, three yards per carry. And uh, only one touchdown last year. Tune in next week, people. I'm going to be uh, um, uh, going into overtime because I wanted to give you some uh, other sleepers um, that I that I like, but uh, and uh, you can listen to uh, the rest of this in the archives. Um, hopefully, you're listening and uh, you're, you're catching all of it. If not, catch it in the archives because I'm going to finish my rankings and, and sleepers I, that I like. That that and I'm also going to put it on the uh, website which is uh, www.spotonradios.com. Go to the Fantasy Foxhole. Catch all my rankings there, including including the running backs. Um, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time next Sunday, and we are going to be in overtime in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. We are now in overtime, and I'm not finished yet. Okay. Um, Eddie Lacy, like I said, a lot of people 
We're down on Eddie Lacy early in this season. I happened to pick him up in one of my leagues, which I helped helped me win the um, championship um, because they were down on Lacy because he came went out with he came out with a slow start, but he uh, exploded after that um, three point yard per carry the first month with a five point seven yard per carry with twelve TDs over the final twelve games. Um, dangerous he was dangerous back. Uh, running the football and especially receiving uh, the football, um, running over defenders, barreling over them. Um, he's he's only 25. And he's a complete player, and um, he's on a uh, dynamic offensive team that is uh, um, sure to do the same thing this year, especially with Aaron Rodgers uh, taking the snaps at quarterback uh, in elite running back one. Now, and the fi- this is the final one um, in my top 25. You can say, you know, don't tell me because I haven't mentioned this guy in the top 25. He happened to be the uh, uh, league running back um, last year with a league high 1,845 yards, um, had 16 yards with uh, um, 15 receptions last year. He played in all 16 games for the first time in his career and had a 4.7 yard per carry. Um, And uh, even though he, in the prior years, didn't have complete years or or a lot of uh, um, games played, he still has a 4.84 yard per carry for his career. now he moved from the Dallas Cowboys to the run-heavy Philadelphia Phillies, excuse me, Philadelphia Eagles, um, even though they, they assigned uh, Ryan Matthews. The offensive line of the Eagles is a very good offensive line, not, good at, not quite as the, as the Dallas Cowboys, but... I like DeMarco Murray as the number one back in fantasy again. I know people like how what in the world is he talking about? Well, this is my opinion. I like him as the number one back in fantasy. That's all I can tell you. All right, let's move on to the um, guys that I didn't bring in as the <clears throat> top 25. Number one. Not necessarily in this order. Joyke Bell has got health issues, okay? He's supposed to be the number one back. Reggie Bush is no longer in Detroit. Uh, Joyke Bell has gotten um, some some knee issues. He's got some health issues. And they brought in, meaning the Detroit Lions, have brought in a younger back, even though he's smaller, in Amir Abdullah, that is a d- dynamic back. Um, and I'm, I'm liking Amir Abdullah, another rookie running back that um, that I think can um, surprise people. He had 39 touchdowns uh, for um, Oklahoma. Had 73 receptions, so he can catch the ball as well as run the football. 
only problem with Amir Abdullah is, is um, holding on to the football. He's got fumbling issues. And I think he's been impressing people in the offseason um, OTAs and, and uh, minicamps. Don't be surprised if uh, Amir Abdullah, oh, uh, at one point during the season, overtakes uh, Joyke Bell and becomes number one back, especially if Joyke Bell can't get over his health issues. Another running back that I'm thinking about here is uh, David Johnson, who is uh, in Arizona behind uh, Andre Ellington, who at 5'9 and 199 pounds is not the most durable back. David Johnson, 6'1", 224. Ellington, 5'9", 199. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. He had 141 receptions and, and, and 14 touchdowns in the passing game in Northern Iowa. So... If you have room on your roster and you happen to draft Andre Ellington, you can get Amir, excuse me, David Johnson very late in your draft. 12 team, 12 team draft. You can get uh, uh, probably David Johnson in a 12th or 13th round, which is very good value especially if uh, Andre Ellington have, happens to go down for any period of time or doesn't perform well and David Johnson steps up there. Now you got to lead back on a good offense. Um, uh, Bruce Aaron offense that can catch the ball out of the backfield. Hello. Hello. Two more backs I want to talk about. This guy, it's got uh, knee issues of, of his own. But he's he, – he, if it wasn't for his that issue, and I know that's a big issue, he would be a second or a first or second round talent because his his, his measurables are 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 are, uh, are like that. But I like uh, uh, Jay Ajay a lot. Doesn't have much in front of him, and Lamar Miller. Uh, Lamar Miller's got the experience, but I think Ajay Ajay, with his um, ability, can overtake Amir, I'm excuse me, uh, uh, Lamar Miller. So think about that. Ajay Ajay, there's some rookie, like I said, rookie running backs out there that are in some good situations that can take over the lead role, maybe not right away. Um, you have to look at what's going on in training camp, but sometime over the season, um, take over that lead back role. And one more guy, and I've like talked about this guy before, um, and I, I'll, I'll keep talking, well, two, two guys. Uh, one being, um, where, is it, where is he at now? One meaning uh, being, um, the heck is he at? I'll, I'll give this guy. One being 
Buck Allen. Buck who you say? Yeah, Buck Allen. Buck Allen is is a uh, um, running back that Baltimore drafted in the fourth round in a Mark Tressman offense. Solid pass protector and any 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 receiver. Um, and you have Justin Forsett. Now I talked about Justin Forsett, but Justin Forsett's um, getting up there. He only had one good season. So I'm thinking that if Justin Forsett for some reason happens to falter, fall. Uh, and drop off the map for whatever reason. Here comes Buck Allen. How about David Cobb? The only one between David Cobb and getting on the playing field for uh, uh, Tennessee is Bishop Sankey, who supposedly is the number one back right now, but for how long? How about, I didn't even talk about Todd Gurley. How about Trey Mason? Todd Gurley is supposed to be, and I hadn't put Todd Gurley in the top 25. Todd Gurley is supposed to be the back, but he hasn't uh, been, been clear to um, pl- uh, practice yet. He may wind up on the um, pup list of some kind. He may not even start the regular season. You have to wait and see what's taking place in training camp. But don't forget about Trey Mason because he can ball out with that improved offensive line. And last but not least, this guy's been overlooked because everyone everyone's talked about Charles Sims. But I, he's dropped weight. He's probably in the best shape of his life. He balled out when he was in shape and was able to um, get the ball on a consistent basis. I'm talking about Doug Martin. Now, Lovey Smith may, may want to may want to uh, um, um, rotate, have have a running back by committee, but Martin's down at two ten. He was two twenty three at the at the combine three years ago, so he dropped well below his weight, and he's ready to play. Those are just a few of the game uh, of players that I've named that are, aren't on the, my top twenty five radar, uh, top twenty five list. Um, some rookies, some veterans, um, but interesting players to keep a track to to keep track of uh, going into training camps, which have started um, since um, two or three days ago. Tune in next week, where um, I'll be back talking fantasy football, talking. Um, things that are going on in training camp. Hopefully no one has gotten seriously hurt on knock on wood and uh, start gearing up for those drafts that are coming up. First week, first weekend in August is next week. Um, It's less than 40 days away that the game, the games really start. Enjoy the rest of the day and we are out of here. And running, running, 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 and running, running,
running and running, running and running, running and running, running and In this context, there's no disrespect, so when I bust my rhyme, you break your necks. We got five minutes for us to disconnect from all intellect and let the rhythm affect the inhibition, follow your intuition, free your inner soul and break away from tradition. Cause when we be out, girl is pulling me down. You wouldn't believe how we wow shit out. Turn it till it's burned out, turn it till it's turned out. Act up from northwest east side. Everybody, everybody, let's get into it. Get stoked, get it started, get it started, get it started. Let's get it started, let's get it started. Let's get it started, let's get it started. A body and soul Don't move too fast People just take it slow Don't get ahead Just jump into it Y'all hear about it The 